Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. This is actually Palm Sunday, so happy Palm Sunday to you. I am going to still be in the book of Jonah, but I believe that we're going to tie some of the things that are significant about Palm Sunday to this morning's talk. And open your copy of the scriptures to Jonah chapter 3. And let's start at verse 1. Jonah chapter 3. Verse 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. This morning, I am going to talk to you about Windows 3.1, seminars, tuning forks, baptisms, and MRIs. My first computer, desktop computer, was an Acer. The hard drive, get this, was 500 megabytes. That's right. Now, I know most flash drives today are a few gigabytes, so the most thumb drives you get are bigger than my entire hard drive on that computer. But it was enough to get the office that I had on there, and I remember to save a file, you had to like abbreviate because there wasn't enough memory to be able to write all the words down that you were doing. But Windows 3.1... And for some reason, I remember it was Windows 3.1. The reason I remember that is because it would say Windows 3.1 for a long time before it would actually boot up, right? It would just sit there and wave at me, Windows 3.1, 3.1. But every now and then, it would freeze. And it would just stop. And I would try and do something. The mouse, the cursor would just stay there, and I just couldn't do anything. And to get it going again, I had to reboot it. 
And I remember Gil taught me control, alt, delete. That's when I first heard about that. And then do you want, yes, I close this down. Because I used to just hold the button until it would turn off. And he said, no, don't do that. That's not good. I was like, why not? So I didn't do it because he told me not to. But rebooting was the only way I could begin again. And really what we have here in Jonah is a reboot from what happened in chapter 1. It actually starts off, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. You see, that's the exact same thing that... We saw in chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Joah and he told him what to do, but he didn't do it. And so now he's saying, let's try this again. Now, if you were here last week, we know the story. We know where Jonah was. We know the pressure that he went through. Now he's come out and now God is saying, let's try this again. Let's reboot. Let's start over because to get forward, we have to start again. And many times that's how things happen in our lives. We find ourselves going along and all of a sudden we hit a wall and we feel like, man, I just can't move forward. And we kind of have to reboot and start over again. Okay, let's just get a clean slate so that I don't have to be stuck in this place. I want to move forward. And God is giving Jonah a second chance. Because it starts off and it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the word that is used for Lord throughout these three verses is the word Yahweh. It is the Hebrew term for the Lord. The rest of the chapter, it's going to be the word Elohim for God, which is how those outside of Israel would see God. But this is talking to kind of family. He's talking to them personally. And the word of the Lord is one of the concepts that was constantly used in the Old Testament. It's more than just speech. It's something living that carries divine energy. When it says the word of the Lord, it's talking about something that is active, something that is powerful. It's something that communicates more than just a message. It's communicating the spirit of God himself. And so when it says the word of the Lord, it's conveying this relationship with this personal God. Now, we see this used throughout, especially the Old Testament. In Psalm chapter 33, verse 6, it said, The word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath, which is the word ruach, of his mouth, all their hosts. And so the word of the Lord has this idea of creation being involved with it, that he created the universe and with his word, he makes things happen. So God is at work and the word of the Lord is how that is seen throughout scripture. Now, how do the prophets receive God's word? Did they hear an audible voice? You see, the scriptures never disclose how that took place. It always just says the word of the Lord, and we assume, okay, they heard from God some way, somehow, but they heard from God, and then they responded to what the word of God was moving them to. Which begs the question, can we still hear the word of the Lord? And if so, how? 
It's been a few years, but I used to go to these seminars. They were kind of seminars, mini conferences that Mosaic would have out in Hollywood. They were called Leadership Advance. And, and you would go there for the entire Saturday. And then Irwin would go through a topic or a book and that whole day would be given to this topic and he would answer questions regarding this. And I loved going to these things, but what I loved about it most was what I saw taking place instead of just what he said taking place. In other words, I would see his interaction with the people who were a part of Mosaic and I would learn about leadership by how he actually interacted with people as much as I got from the things that he said. I would watch the conversation and from that I would put the dots together and for me that's how I learn it's easier for me to learn by actually doing it I'm one of those guys who gets to the directions and they look like hieroglyphics to me okay I read the language but it's like oh that's a lot of words and I put it down and I start okay give me a wrench let me try this Okay, and then every now and then I'll look at a picture because the pictures, that's, I don't know, it's third grade again for me or something or kindergarten, right? I, I just can relate to pictures. The words, they kind of are too hard to process, but I can understand if I see it. That's why I love YouTube, right? Because I can watch it. Okay, if I'm going to be working on Photoshop, how do we make this? I can't read that, but let me watch a YouTube video. Now I can watch it. And, ah, I see what they're doing. Click here. That works for me. Well, you see, the word of the Lord is very much like that for us. Because that's what Jesus has become. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And so we see in Jesus this idea of the word of God starting to manifest and take shape. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The word of the Lord came to the prophets. But, verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so the word of the Lord looks like Jesus. That's how we can understand what it is. Whatever Jesus looks like, that's what we start to understand. Everything that you read in scripture needs to be filtered through the person of Christ so that you have a clear understanding of what the word of the Lord is. So if you read something in Joshua, if you read something in Deuteronomy, it has to filter through the person of Christ so you have clarity of what the word of the Lord really is. And it's not just something that was happening culturally. It's something that is filtered through the living word, Christ himself. Verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 1, it says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so we see that in Jesus is the exact representation of what God looks like. And that's how we get to understand what the word of the Lord is to us. We look at Jesus and he starts to translate 
by his life what the word of the Lord looks like. In verse 2 of Jonah, it says, The Lord spoke to him, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Again, these are the same words that we saw in chapter 1, the beginning of this story. But the storyteller is giving us a slight difference. But it's a substantial one in the trajectory of this story. Rather than cry against this city, this time God says, the message I'm going to have you proclaim to the city. You see, the first time Jonah was sent without a script, he was simply told to cry against Nineveh and that their wickedness has come before God. But this time, God is going to give him a message. But he doesn't give it to him yet. He just tells him, I'm going to give you the message. Now, why didn't God say that the first time? Why is it that after the reboot, now he's got a little bit more information to give him? Maybe it's because Jonah's now at a place where he can actually hear that message a little bit more clearly. You know, when I'm playing guitar and when I tune my guitar, I used to use a tuning fork before they had all the electronics. And what tuning forks do is they vibrate at a certain rate that makes that tone. So 440 vibrations per second gives us the tone of the note A. And so it's A440. And so then what happens is what you'll do is hit that fork and put it on your guitar and that gives you the pitch A. And then when you hit the A string on your guitar, you adjust it so that there isn't a warble, that they sound the same. And when they sound the same, you're in tune because you're vibrating at the same frequency. And so now that's in tune. When it's warbling, that's when you can tell it's out of tune. And you guys can hear when something's out of tune, right? That's what American Idol is famous for, right? Those people who would sing out of tune. It's like, oh, what is that? That's out of tune. You're not on pitch. And you see, when you're in that same frequency, then it's a singularity that takes place that you're able to identify with. And I think the same thing happens in our lives. We we start to see the character of God or of Jesus. And when we start to understand that character, we're able to hear the nuances of his word. It starts to resonate with us. If you want to know who God is, we look at Jesus and as it lines up with God, we see things clearly. If you want to know what it means to be human, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be compassionate, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be obedient, you look at Jesus. And that's our tuning fork. That's how we start to align our lives. We see and we start to imitate these things so that we can start to adapt to them. And so we have this representation and the closer we start to identify with him, the more it rings true. The less it's out of phase. And it starts to resonate with us. And so Jonah has now gone through this pressure of chapter 2, the belly of the fish. He's come out and he's a little bit more in tune. He's not quite there a hundred percent closer. He's more willing to listen. 
And so we see that that's taking place. Verse 3 of chapter 3 of Jonah says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Again, both times after receiving this call, hearing the word of the Lord, Jonah rose up. Jonah rose up. It's the same word, the word in Hebrew for rose up. But this time, it's moving in the right direction. Remember, the first time he heard the word of the Lord, he rose up and went to Tarshish. He went away from God. This time, when he hears the word of the Lord, we hear that he actually does what God says. In fact, the storyteller is emphasizing Jonah's cooperation with the words according to the word of the Lord. I keep cutting out here. It's my battery. Uh, sorry about that. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. So we see that Jonah is doing things according to the word of the Lord. Jonah is confronted with the word of the Lord, and now he's being conformed to God's will. But he's not really transformed. In other words, he's doing these things, but he's not really doing it wholeheartedly, as we know the story. He does what God asks him, but his heart's not really in it. He's still hanging on to his prejudice against the people of Nineveh. You know, one of the goals of our faith as followers of Christ is union with God. That's what spirituality is. It's to be united with God in our body, our soul, our mind. It's to have this, what we call communion with God. It's a surrender that leads to the fusion of our wills and God's will to be like-minded, to be the same. And a big surprise, I think, is that we don't usually reach this union with God by a smooth process of God's grace. It's never this easy turn of event. At least it hasn't been in my experience and with the people I'm familiar with. And instead, like Jonah, we struggle with God. We resist his will And I think this is a normal progression of spiritual progress. This is how it works. God's will comes at us and it strikes our prejudice and we press back against it and it starts to press in on us and it causes turmoil within us until we have to, like Jonah, change. And that conforming, doesn't always transform at the beginning. God throws something at us and we struggle with it and then it starts to produce something that changes in us. I mean, that's one of the symbols of baptism. I mean, we've had seven baptisms this year, which is, I think, amazing. It's great. The whole idea of baptism is that you're dying to yourself and coming alive to live for Christ. But 
we've heard that even some of the commentaries say that Jonah is a type of baptism. You know, that belly of the great fish was his baptism and he comes out. But it doesn't seem like it really takes with Jonah, right? He, he comes out, but he's still grumbling against God and against the people of Nineveh and thinking like, well, it doesn't seem like it works. But then I started thinking about myself, you know, I was baptized years ago and I don't know, sometimes you could look at my life and say, I don't know if it took, Sam. You still act a little... Jonah-y, you know, you, you still have some things that need to be worked on. You, you still have things that God is working and pressuring on your life to conform to be more like him. And I, I don't think I'm alone, although I feel alone up here right now saying that. I think we are all kind of like that. I look back at my life and, you know, I came to faith in Jesus or even my baptism, I came, yeah, I'm, a, I'm following you wholeheartedly, but I have to say I have not followed God wholeheartedly since I said yes to Jesus. It's always a little more, more that I have to give. It's always a little bit more confrontation with who he is, changing who I am. There is always this pressure on my life to produce something that's more in tune with what he really looks like. And I think that's typical for all of us. And I don't think that's uncommon. There's a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 21, verse 28, where Jesus gives a little story that I think kind of illustrates this. In Matthew 21, verse 28, Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterwards, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collector and the prostitute go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness And you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. You see, the answer is the one who struggled with the father's will at first, but then came around is the one who actually did the father's words. But he struggled first. And I think that's normal. It's all right that we struggle because what the struggle is doing is making us aware of the conflict that's within us. It's not an imperfection to find it painful to submit to God's will. Let me say that again. It's not imperfection to find it painful to submit to God's will. Christ did. In the garden. It was painful for him. But he still followed through. And it's important that we see that. I don't have to like what God tells me to do, but it needs to become aware in my mind that something is out of tune. Because then I am aware of what things need to change. We live in a time when there is so much going on. If you've seen 
the news and some of the video from the nerve gas and things that took place in Syria. It's heartbreaking. And it's terrifying to to see all the things that are transpiring. And there's so much evil in this world. And oftentimes I find myself just wanting to judge and wanting to condemn and wanting to, to send in the nuclear weapons, right? Let's just get rid of this. But God is wanting to do something in the hearts of some of the most wicked people. And that rubs me the wrong way. God is wanting to reach the world. And that includes people who are not like me. And that rubs me the wrong way. And I find myself not wanting to hear these things that God loves these people because I don't love these people. And maybe it's not such an extreme case. Maybe it's something that's happening in the family. Maybe it's something that you're dealing with with someone close to you. Maybe it's a different political party. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with in a different term. And you don't love these people. And the pressure of God is saying, that's out of tune with who I am. And so something starts to happen to me that makes me want to say, okay, where does this line up? How do I figure out your justice, God? Because I know you hate what's going on too, but how can you still love people who do such terrible things? I don't understand that. And it's causing conflict in me. How do I resolve this conflict? You see, I think that's okay. I think that's really part of the process that God is trying to develop in us. It's normal. I don't have to like what God's wanting me to do. I just need to be aware of it. Because in that problem, that's where we find our answer. In that stress of conflict with how we see Jesus and how I see myself, lies the answer of what needs to change in me to be more like him. And that's a difficult thing. It it, it may reveal to me just new dimensions of myself that need attention or have potential for good. See, God does not win a victory if all he ends up is with a defeated person. That's not victory for God, is to defeat someone. What is victory is to bring union. Again, that's the whole purpose of this faith in Christ. He wants to redeem us. He wants to transform us, bringing our struggle into focus that we can begin to see things differently, see into the mysteries that are actually around us. See God at work with us here and now so that seeing things differently can take us one step further in this transforming process. A few months ago, about seven months ago, I did something to my shoulder. I don't know what it is, but it's been killing me. And of course, being sensitive person that I am, 
I didn't go to the doctor for months and months and months because it's like, ah, I'll be okay, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. And it's not getting okay, right? It keeps getting worse. And the doctor thinks I might have torn a ligament. They took x-rays and the x-rays didn't show arthritis or anything, but something's wrong. He thinks it might be from dog training and the yanking of dogs or something. And so I'm like, okay, so I have to go and get an MRI. I had to go and do that Friday night at 10 o'clock at the basement of Kaiser. Just talk about ominous, right? So I'm going to go get an MRI Friday night, 10 o'clock in the basement. That's what the lady told me. It's in the basement. I go, basement? And, and so I'm reading up a little bit on the MRI and I'm saying, okay, I, I, this is what it is. And it's my shoulder and I'm looking at these, you know, pictures of MRIs and there are these big machines and I'm seeing people sitting in there, you know, and it's like, okay, that's fine. And so I get there and the lady asked me, are you claustrophobic? And I'm thinking, well, no, I mean, I am, but not with what the pictures I saw were, you know, the pictures look like there's plenty of room in there. And I was thinking I'd go up to like maybe my waist you know, and then they do take a picture of my shoulder, that magnetic, you know, resonance thing that they're doing, whatever that is. And then I would sit up and go home and get some coffee. Everything would be fine. So she asked if I'm claustrophobic and I'm like, no, not me. And so, okay, she puts me on this thing and this is a lot smaller than the ones I saw on the pictures. Okay. And she lays me down and my shoulders here. And then she puts my knees up and she goes, okay, I'm going to set you back now. And I'm like, okay. And I'm expecting to go in about waist deep and they just slide me all the way in. And I am like in a coffin. Okay. I seriously, I'm having, I'm having issues right now. Okay. I'm looking and this thing is right here. And I just have to close my eyes because I feel the machine going all the way and I cannot see down I don't even want to look and I cannot see up and I'm feeling like I'm in a coffin I could die here I will die here right and so I remember reading one of the people say you know you need to go to your your happy place the problem is all my happy places are outside of this little tube that I'm in you know how do I get to the happy place from here and so I'm practicing she gives me this little thing if you have any problems press this thing and I'm thinking okay if I press this thing what they're going to do and I'm trying to figure out how can I shimmy out of this thing if I like have a panic attack you know and that's not helping me in any way But I had to trust that this woman who's in charge actually is wanting to help me to actually find out what the pain is in my shoulder. And the strain that I'm feeling as I'm having to deal with this noise, and I got the earplugs in, right? And it's just this con, 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 con. It's like, I can handle the noise. That's fine. I just can't handle the wall in front of my face, right? So I'm keeping my eyes closed. I'm practicing my breathing and I'm remembering everything they told my wife in Lamaze, right? Okay, breathe, you know, not that I'm having a baby, but it just feels like something's crazy here. And I'm counting and she's saying, okay, this will be about two minutes. I'm like, okay, two minutes. And so I'm counting and I'm counting 120, 120. This is longer two minutes than I'm thinking. I've probably counted more than I'm, you know, I'm panicking. So I'm going faster and faster. But I'm thinking, she says, okay, there's one more. It'll be about two minutes. I'm okay, almost done. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <sighs> breathe, breathe. And we get to the end of it. And she goes, okay, you moved that last one. We're going to have to do it over again. <laughs> that was the longest two minutes of my life. And you know, God gives us second chances. God gives us opportunities to allow the pressure of life to actually bring healing to us. But we've got to go through them.
And sometimes it is stressful. Sometimes it is painful because change is hard. You know what's sad is when I see people and their lives are crumbling and you can point what's going on, the area that they are not willing to change in. They're holding on to the stubbornness that will not allow them to see the problem. They refuse to change and they will never get better because the pressure of life is not changing them. What happens is they scoot out of the machine, they run away, they say, I cannot handle this. If we are going to allow the work of God to transform us, then we have to hear his voice, see what he's wanting to do in comparison to where we are. Allow the pressure that takes place to maybe begin with an act of obedience, but then to ask, why is this hurting me so much? Why am I struggling with changing in this way? What are you needing to do in my life? Because the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The word of the Lord will come to you a second time. When it does, will you conform and will you allow it then to transform you because what God wants for all of us is to be transformed and to be in a relationship with him that's his goal he loves us and he wants to share his heart with us and so many times it's out of tune We're warbling back and forth and God is on pitch and he's saying, this is what your life needs to look like. And it looks just like Jesus. And those areas where I'm not anything like Jesus, instead of running away from them, let them confront you. Take the pressure. Take the deep breath. Count to 120 slowly and see what needs to happen so that I can be so that I can look more like that because that's his goal. Let's pray. Father, I believe that your word is coming to all of us in one way or another and that your word comes to us time and time again and we have opportunity to respond in ways that will bring health or to run away like Jonah did the first time. And Lord, even though from this story, Jonah is not yet transformed, at least he took a step closer. At least your voice was able to give him a little bit more detail. And Lord, wherever we are at, I pray we would do the same thing. Wherever our lives are, however distant we feel from you, may we take that one step that brings us closer to the next step. May we tune our lives to you just a little bit more so that we can hear a little bit more from you. Father, may we recognize that this process of being like you is difficult 
It's not going to be easy. We are going to have a hard time with areas in our life that don't want to conform, where we want to assert ourselves, where we don't want to be a servant of all, where we're not wanting to forgive, where we're seeing ourselves more important than others, where we don't look like you, Jesus. May those areas press on our life. May we feel like a claustrophobic sense, the presence of God on us that we can't escape until we are changed, until we are healed. Take us a step further, we pray. Because what we desire is to be like you, Jesus. What we desire is for your word to shape our lives. We do pray this in your name. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.